This episode of the Round 6 Podcast is brought to you by Trailer Tug, the world's strongest trailer dolly. Learn more at TrailerTug.com. Welcome to the Round 6 Podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion featuring a variety of automotive subjects, interviews, special guests, and stories. Hosted by the Round 6 Gearheads, Brian Stubsky, Alex Welsh, and Brad King. Here on episode 57, the Gearheads welcome C10 trendsetter, world-class art collector, and the first victim of the Round 6 Street Freak Lifestyle Coaching Academy, Delyashenko. Welcome to the Round 6 Podcast. I'm Brian. I'm Brad. I'm Alex. And I'm Del, a.k.a. Delmo. There we are, man. It is uh, a wonderful, what is it, episode 57, and we are hosting the one, the only, the beautiful, uh, talented, uh, I guess, I'm going to assume good-smelling, Delyushenko. Yeah. How the heck are you, man? Dude, it's great. Life is great up here in the mountains. Um, You know, we moved from Burbank three years ago now. Best thing I ever did. Really? Oh, you got to miss the traffic. Come on, man. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I miss the arrogance and the... Yeah, the high cost of fuel. Well, I know gas prices, that. sure. I'm sure you miss that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But and to be honest, I do miss some of the food. Um, well, what is that? They, they have DoorDash. That'd be like a super long trip for some guy. He's got to try to keep your order warm as he drives up through the mountains. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't have any of that technology up here. No, so you don't. And okay, now since you've just moved up there, I, I noticed earlier we were talking about it, and uh, you haven't adopted the the local oh. pronunciation of your town. Well, I do when it's appropriate. For example, um, if there's an old timer, and I know he's going to give me shit, you know, it's not <laughs> worth, they will do. It's not worth me saying it properly, which is Prescott. I, you know, advert to saying it wrong which is Prescott. And uh, so I guess it depends if you want service or if you don't want service, you know, kind of thing. As soon as you say Prescott, it's a, just a, it's a red flag that you're from California and uh, they just treat you different. It's good up here. I love it. That's awesome, man. So I'm sure this has been done over and over, but you know, for, for the benefit of our listeners, why the decision to go from Southern California, which is the hotbed of hot rodding and everything you do, to go up in the mountains here in Arizona? Bunch of different reasons. I guess if if it's not known by all the listeners, I'm Canadian. So I'm from kind of a smaller city in Canada and this town kind of mimics my hometown and the, the vibe and the friendliness and the weather and um, all the things that kind of happen up here are real reminiscent of where I'm from. So um, although you know, LA was good to us. And it, like you said, is the hotbed for what's going on and what's cool. Uh, A lot of good stuff there, but uh, I can't, I guess I reached my limit uh, on patience for, for traffic and for people and for, you know, the cost of living. And uh, it's kind of, you just spin your wheels there a lot um, because it's so, you know, expensive to live there. So we just figured out an exit strategy and boned out nicely done and it, it's got to be easier too i mean if you'd have done this say five years ago even 
I think it'd be tougher without the technology. Because I mean, you've got so many good things going on with companies like uh, like AccuAir and things like that. You can kind of continue those relationships um, almost unbroken. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Nobody really was uh, any wiser, none the wiser that we we moved. Uh, a lot of people still think I'm there, which is you know, which is fine. It's, uh, it's, knocking on the door. Yeah, swing on by the shop. Never yeah. opens the yeah. door. Yeah. Well, my buddy Bobby Green still has the shop there, so I'm sure there's a, a good handful of truck guys that still swing in there. But, um, man, I, I uh, wouldn't change it, my time there for anything. It was uh, – we we started some trends, and we had a lot of fun uh, in Burbank there. So it was awesome. It was just time to go. Right on. And I, I haven't even come up to visit you yet, and I apologize. I uh... – I need to take a ride up north, and if anything, just to visit, because you always had, like, the coolest shop, period. I mean, when you were working out of Old Crow, yeah, that, that place was just, that was like a magical little environment. It really was, man, and Bobby Green uh, from Old Crow Speed Shop really kind of pushed my artistic ability, too, not only from what I did, but to create an ambience of my own, like in my own shop you know, hanging cool stuff. I never really paid attention to it. Back in Canada, my hot rod shop was kind of surgical. You know, it was real clean and um, stainless steel and, you know, painted floors. Everything was, you know, perfect. And spending time with Bobby, he's a kind of an old soul. Uh, you know, if if you spend any time, you know, around his stuff or seen his style. So that influenced me to give my side of the shop a little bit more flavor, you know, and uh, makes it a little more homey. So, yeah, it, it's important, man. It's like, you know, you spend so much time in your shop, it's cool to step in there and, you know, feel like you're in your little man cave. Right on, man. You you do have, you had the only shop that I've ever walked into that had Star Wars toys hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were scattered everywhere. It's that people would notice them, you know? It's really funny. There was one picture that I remember from one of the uh, episodes, one of the places when guys went to visit, you have a painting of a nature scene. It, 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 I don't know. It, right. With the General Lee painting on it. Do you still have that? Yeah, I do. I do. I've been offered a lot of money for it, too. That is the coolest painting ever. Every time I'm at a yard sale, I'll be honest with you, I'm looking for one. Oh, yeah, I know. I've got a couple uh, that I've collected since that are waiting, um, you know, for the right artist to get to them that I have ideas for. But, um <laughs> Yeah, I stole that painting out of a cheap hotel in Revelstoke, British Columbia, Canada. And uh, oh, international art thievery! This is going to go great. Yeah, but I so I took off the wall, and there was a big yellow stain where the painting was, or they painted around it. So I had to go into the hallway and take another painting that kind of covered. Uh, didn't quite cover it, but it almost did. And, uh, and it was a great painting. It's like uh, it's in a forest kind of with a creek going through it. And uh, I pictured it right away with the, you know, the generally jumping over the creek. So I uh, I gave it to my tattoo artist and told him I wanted the general, you know, in a couple ramps. And but I wanted to make it look like it was the original artist that painted it on there. So so he he uh, knocked it out of the park. <laughs> Such an awesome picture. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> That's so great, man. I you had mentioned uh, before, and you know, not not to go too like in depth too soon, but um, you you man, you kind of made a name for yourself out there. There's so many things you look at now. If you look at a truck, it's always oh, that truck's got Delmo wheels on it, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. that seems literally you have become like the Nike of 
like the C10 crowd with that. If it's a smoothie wheel with a small cap, it's yeah. a Delmo wheel. Yeah, isn't that funny? Um, it's pretty awesome, though. I mean, if you stop to think about it, you literally you became a household brand. Yeah, it's you know, and it's hard to digest that for me because I'm I'm a pretty humble guy, so I don't you know it's hard for me to even think that anyone knows who I am. But um, you know, I guess when I really first realized it was when I started, you know, when things kind of blew up with that wheel and that style, the patina and stuff, um, you know, I would go to a, a, you know, a local car show or a truck show and people would recognize me and, and, and you know, taught, want to talk to me. And, and that's kind of when I started cluing in that maybe what I was doing was, you know, having some kind of impact. That was, shoot, that was like nine, 10 years ago, almost now. So, you know, a lot has changed and, and I'm just trying to roll with it, but isn't that cool? It's, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's, it's awesome. I mean, cause that, my question then was, you know, and you kind of answered it already, which I mean, how do you deal with that? You know, you almost have to adopt that. You can't even come out there and promote a brand that you're trying to build. You literally had to adopt the fact that you became a brand. Yeah. You kind of had to hijack your own brand, which is so bizarre. Yeah. Right. And I, and I had people around me that were telling me to do that because I was um, a bit oblivious to it. You know, they're like, you have a brand you've created a, you know, you've created a brand and a style. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, I, I'm underneath a truck right now. Like, you know, I don't have time to deal with this, but yeah, you know, I get the right people telling me that I should take advantage of this thing I've created. And, um, so I did and just been having a good time with it. And, and you've got a, you've got a really bitchin' logo too. I'm just going to say, I'm just going to leave that there. Yeah. There was this guy that I met through another guy. And I thought, I maybe thought. Not on he, that app, Alex. Not on oh, that app. Okay. All right. All right. I'll be quiet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't know what to think of him at first, you know, but uh, he turned out to be a pretty good guy. Brian Thompson. He's lame. <laughs> He's lame. We don't mention his, his name will not be mentioned here. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That logo, it will never change, man. I mean, there might be some alterations here and there, but that, that, uh, what, what you came up with is, uh, will forever be the Delmo's deal for sure. And I thank you for that. Oh, dude, I, I just kind of went toward the brand side because you became known for like this, like the smoothie wheel again with the small cap. And then a few years down the road, you came out with your own line of wheels. Yeah. Right. So what I did there and that, you know, uh, I did that on the forums back the 6772 forums. It was kind of before Instagram and there was a lot of cool truck guys on there. And um, so I just jumped on. I was building that shop truck for myself. And because uh, I didn't have a job when I first moved to California. So I was just, you know, my wife was working as a nurse. And so I was just picked up this old C10 rust free deal, probably the last cheap one ever in existence. I think I paid two grand for it. <laughs> And, just before you uh, ruined it for everybody. <laughs> yeah. So I started building it on the forums and I always had this idea to do a smoothie, you know, kind of a old school steel wheel looking, but a big diameter. So Centerline had a, uh, that smoothie wheel that they sold a million of. And so I got out my little protractor and scribed a line and drilled and tapped some holes. And uh, I think I used Volkswagen clips and um, snapped a hubcap on there, spray painted the center black. And then I'll never forget, I kind of mocked up a fender over top of the wheel. So kind of make it look, you know, how it would look if it was laid out. And I posted that and then, yeah, then everything changed, man. My, my inbox blew up. <laughs> For, yeah. for all the kids listening today, the inbox is something you used to have in these things called forums. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
they, they all these ravens showed up at my house with all these messages. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were saying evermore for you. That was... yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then in a fortnight, I would build. In a fortnight. <laughs> <laughs> you just confused the hell out of our three listener kids now. They're going, Fortnite, I play that. And like, yeah. no. He's one of us. Yeah. So guys started sending me centerline wheels. And um, those things were super heavy. And, oh, yeah. And it was a real pain in the ass trying to get the hubcaps on there straight. You know, because a lot of them were just bent out of the box. So I went over to the guys at Intro and said, you know, can you guys design me a, you know, or build me a wheel? Here's kind of a chicken scratch drawing. And, you know, I, I don't want the clips to move and I want them to, you know, be centered. And, and then so, yeah, I started building my own. And then I came, you know, since then, I've, I think I got six or seven different styles of wheels out there, but prices, are, you know, prices are high and they're pretty unique. So, but they're, they're, they're cool. I think definitely. Yeah. Cause it's just my, my whole thinking on that was weird. You know, you go from being known for, for one kind of wheel and you literally had to change everything to cr literally create your own wheel out of that. That's, yeah. that's kind of the most backward possible situation. That's, that's as twilight zone as it gets. Yeah. Right. Right. It's, it's so cool though. So yeah, it's fun. And then, you know, what's also kind of neat is to, and this is goes against everything in business, but to watch other companies rip you off. Yeah, it was kind of um, kind of a pat in the back in one hand, and then the other hand was like, "Well, this works." But um, you know, what am I supposed to do? I'm a small fish, so. Well, and that that's that's something we we go over a lot on the podcast is intellectual property and protecting your brand. It, it's so tough when it's the bigger company taking you on. I mean, it's easy when it's somebody else. Sure. You know, I mean, you get a peer out there who takes and just rips you, you know, like, oh, I'm going to do exactly what you do. And pretty much, you know, it'd be weird, I guess, if you showed up at a, a car event and you ran into a guy who looks just like your clone, who's like, I just had all this work done overseas. Now <laughs> I look just like you, too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> can, probably you, can you touch this so I have a sample of your fingerprint? <laughs> yeah. Probably happened already. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, it, it happens. It still happens. Like every product. You know, it seems like I kind of come up with something, and and I'm I'm learning that too right now. Going, uh, just hooked up with a good friend who's teaching me the ropes about that, and um, you know, learning how to patent stuff, and not not so much patent, but you know, trademark and kind of protecting right. the brand a little bit. So it's good to know. Awesome, man. And it's now okay, kind of keeping in that same line, I guess. Then, like you you do work though with other companies. Like uh, you've worked uh, you were quite well over the years and have a really good relationship with the guys over at AccuWare. Yeah, yeah, those and, guys are like family. And like, if you, if you wouldn't mind sharing, like, how did that come about for you? I mean, just just as kind of you know one of those weird things where like to add a little bit of value to the podcast and kind of give people a little bit of an inside track. I'm sure they'll get 15 phone calls this week from people going, "I want to be Delmo." <laughs> sure. But, <laughs> go ahead. Here's my stack of bills. Be me. Yeah. So how did that relationship kind of like, I don't want to say materialize because we all know nothing happens overnight and that quick, but how did that kind of develop over the years for you? Well, I think Acura was just on the rise at the same time I was, you know, those brothers are just incredible engineers and they, I swear they can see the future, but they, uh, you know, they hit me up. And they kind of seen what I was doing and was making an impact. So they wanted to jump on board and, you know, reach out to this growing truck market. So they wanted to do a video. And uh, this is when, you know, these small edits were just starting to get popular. You know, the little 
one and two minute, uh, three minute YouTube videos. Uh, so they were kind of ahead of their time on that. So they, they sent down a little, just a small production team and we shot at the old crow, just me and my fat ass sitting in a chair talking about what I do. And we shot some rolling videos of, um, a couple of the trucks that I'd done, or maybe one, I think it was Nacho and, uh, they posted it on YouTube and, it was a big success for them. We had a lot of fun with it, and we became really good friends. And then since then, um, did my best to you know promote their product in a good way. And uh, and it was really cool because they supported me at SEMA and invited me there and uh, helped my you know helped me come up as much as I th I would like to think that I helped them. So what a great relationship though, and uh, still going strong. That's outstanding, man. I I remember that first one, and I think it was the nacho truck. That was, that was one of those really cool, and that was another weird kind of trend-setting truck on its own. But, and again, that truck though had a kind of a neat history behind it and a cool story, you know, as does much of your stuff. And I, yeah. I'd be remiss, not to fanboy you, but man, I gotta tell you, you always have great names for your trucks. <laughs> You know, I, you know, you know my, you know my feelings. On it. I'm not a big guy on naming any project. I just, it's not my thing. But you always have good names. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that funny. Like I started naming these things, and then, and I'm not saying by any means that no one's ever named their vehicle, but um, in the C10 world, especially, you know, people started naming them um, right away. You know, as soon as they'd pick up a cab from the junkyard to build something, it would be named. You know, it'd be like christened, christened right away. But um, the names for my trucks didn't really even sometimes come until they were like halfway done, you know, I'd, uh, they would just kind of come naturally, but always super fun and, you know, meant to, meant to be funny. Right on. Yeah, there's there's never a cringy one. Ex-wife, some kind of thing going on there. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, always really fun. We tried to have fun with it as much as we could. Should change up, go through a dark period. We just name them really dark things, like horrible introspective. You know, the the kind of a truck that when it pulls in and somebody says the name, everybody just gets somber for a few minutes. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Little kids start crying. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Stalin. Or, you know, we can just... Stalin. <laughs> 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 you know, most of the trucks that you'd built over the years were Chevrolets and our GMCs and I'm, I'm a big GM Chevrolet guy has anybody ever brought you a Ford and and you said well I'll do a Ford uh yeah I've done a few Fords and uh really happy to do them because you know I come from a uh hot rod background which you know you know that industry is mostly Ford yeah. you know all the pre-war stuff and you know even in the 40s 50s you know, we I've built lots of the 56 Fords and 48, you know, that style F1. And so, man, every time I get a chance to build a Ford, I'm all over it. Just, I love working on them. But yeah, Chevys are the most, you know, uh, not important, obviously, but the most popular. So Yeah. Well, and okay, you mentioned that's something we, we, that we should really talk about. You really came up in this industry via the hot rod side, which is weird to say because it's so segmented now. I mean, you know, there's like, there's the truck guys, there's the hot rod guys. And then in the hot rod world, it all separates down to you know, traditional guys and street rod guys. And But you started off in that hot rod side. Yeah. And it was, um, I was kind of in that scene right before it separated. Like you said, it was, um, everyone was kind of having fun. And then that's when it really separated between the street rodders, you know, the gold chainers and then the, the rat rods. And then the traditional hot rod guys, the customs, it really started to get 
political and, you know, kind of thick. So uh, I, it was really a good change to get into the C10 scene because it was it was new and it was exciting and it was really a family deal. Everyone was like super stoked. You know, the hot rod scene started to get pretty competitive. And you know, let's be honest. I mean, there was so many things like so many things have been done in hot rodding. It's really hard to be new and, and uh, set trends you know, without a million dollars. So the C10 thing was fun. And it was an easy transfer for me to, to you know, take my, what I learned in hot rodding and kind of apply it to classic trucks. You know, less is more. That's kind of how I was with hot rods too. So I just kind of adapted that to, to pick up trucks. Like growing up then, what were, what were your inspirations as far as hot rods or, you know, cars in general go? Oh, I guess like, you know, as far back as I can remember was California kid. Well, if I mean, we go back to TV, you know, it would be Fall Guy and Dukes of Hazzard. And then, you know, as I grew up, it was um, Cadzilla, Rick Doberton, Troy Chapinier built a green 60. Was it a Biscayne or a Bel Air or was it Impala? I think it was Impala, right? Impala, yeah. Greenhouse yeah. effect. Yep. That green one. Yeah. Yeah. So he had, you know, the brushed billets on there and it was ultra, ultra tidy. So those, uh, those inspired me to keep, you know, make it smooth and simple and clean. And, uh, so I get, I guess early on, that was my inspiration, you know, and then I watched Chip and watched his work ethic and then really kind of took that into what I was doing. And in Canada, it's hard because in the States, I think you're kind of surrounded by it. You could you could go to a good guy show and meet one of your heroes or, you know, whatever in Canada, it's a little bit tricky to do that. So I would try to make a trip once a year and do my little round through California and try to go to Brizio's and try to go to Boyd's and, you know, suck in as much as I could, you know, while I was there. Mostly it was just through print media that I would see all this cool shit happening, you know, and it was a, that's all I needed. You know, I, I would just watch, sit back and watch, you know? Yeah. At some point you made that big decision to leave. Uh, was it Alberta where you were from in Canada? The, up yeah. in that area? Yeah. yeah to, to leave that place and all your family and friends and come to California. What was it that gave you that final push to go, this is where I need to be? Well, we'd, um, I was really successful with our shop. We'd won a bunch of awards. I think we'd built like 15 of those Dearborn 32s and we're doing some pretty good budget cars. They were mostly all street rods. We built some some traditional cars in there. You know, small, kind of small town. Everybody gets to know you, and then everyone's out for you. And, um, you know, it was just, uh, it was getting a little stressful, not going to lie. But we had a real successful shop. And then I met my wife. She's a nurse. So, you know, that's kind of a, a nurse can kind of work anywhere in the right. world. Right. So that was that was kind of a no-brainer. We're like, let's get out of the winter and the freezing cold and, you know, maybe move somewhere warmer and where there's a good car scene and you know fire up something go have some fun so we just you know i sold the company to this guy who wanted to be the next boyd coddington he just wanted to have a turnkey shop and then we sold our houses and sold all of our stuff and packed up our bags and i had a 61 ford unibody that was all original and we hauled that behind a u-haul box van and with our with our old hound dog and we came down with nothing didn't know a single person down here and uh we were driving down the was it the five freeway i think through burbank and i seen the studios you know warner brothers and i was like whoa burbank this, there's a lot of history here and you know leno's here and troy ladd was here you know let's just pull in and grab a hotel so we grabbed a 
hotel. My wife went to work the next morning at Cedar sinai Hospital in Beverly Hills, and uh, her first patient was Elizabeth Taylor. No way! Wow! <laughs> wow. Yeah, and then uh, and then I went down and got a job with Troy Ladd. So we were off to a real good start. It was um, it was really cool. It was really fun. Awesome, man. Yeah, and you, hell, your shop was next to Troy's place for years, and that yeah. was a cool little neighborhood. That God, that was such a cool location. I'm not trying to make you feel bad now. I mean, you're happy where you're at, but. Oh, no, dude, it was so rad. Right on Palm Street, you know, we're down from Barney's Beanery, which is a real popular place to eat and drink. And then Dave Martinez, the interior guy, was across the street. You know, I was uh, working for Hollywood Hot Rods at the time. Bobby Green with Old Crow was beside us. And uh, there was a production company beside the Old Crow that did Sharknado. Right. <laughs> and all those shitty like uh b-movies you know and you guys so, were literally you could walk from your shop and like what like half a block away was the the big the amc what is it 15 or whatever in burbank yeah, big theater God, yeah. such a cool spot i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off i just like oh man. no no it's no problem it was rad i mean it wouldn't be wouldn't be strange to see like lou ferrigno walk by and we'd always love it when they're casting for super hot chicks because in front of uh, in front of Hollywood Hot Rods and Will Crow, they would pace back and forth up and down the sidewalk, uh, practicing their line. So we'd just you know pull up a chair out front there at our lunch break and watch all. The- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a really kind of a magical place. Then you know like buses full of tourists would come by. You know especially if Grand National Roaster Show was in town or Moon Eyes or something. All these cool cars would stop in. You know the choppers would come by. All the who's who of um, land speed racing and hot rodding would, you know, we'd see them weekly. They're really cool. Got to meet some really neat people there. We, we kind of jumped ahead. Now we're going to Tarantino the hell out of this thing. Yeah, that's my fault. <laughs> so, so going back, okay, you, you're working for Troy Ladd. At what point do you make the decision to kind of to jump out and go kind of back on your own? Well, we, uh, I remember working one night and Troy put his hand on my ass. <laughs> And yeah. he kind of winked at me. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, we, we, need a, we need a hashtag Domo too. Yeah. I was like, yeah. well, I don't think of you that way, Troy. Like, <laughs> it got awkward. No. <laughs> everything, everything was going really good at Troy's. He was, he was good to work for, and I was glad that he had me on. But Bobby Green and I, since I started working at Troy's, got to know each other quite well, and we hit it off and just had a lot in common and became really good friends. The truck that I'd built at home while I was working at Troy's had gotten, you know, had gained some speed by this time. And I was getting so many DMs for wheels and actual truck builds now. I was like, you know, maybe I should just pull the trigger and do this on my own. And just then Bobby said, hey, why don't you, um, why don't you come into the old crow and, you know, we'll, we'll give you half the shop, you know, we'll split the rent. And so I, I, uh, rolled up my toolbox and, you know, shook Troy's hand and, um, rolled my, literally pushed my toolbox about 60 feet up into the old crow. And then we really started having some fun, you know, really took that truck thing to the next level. That's really cool, man. I, you see, you, you really are, you're kind of that, that version of the American dream. You came to our country as an, as a poor immigrant, Yes. Hauling your car behind a U-Haul. Did all the whatever they call them in Canada. U-Haul. Oh. Wow. Hi. What is that? Moose call. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Hey, Canada's going to take over and you're all going to be sorry. No, it's going to be good. Uh, You guys. I've seen South Park. I know what happens. (laughs) (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) 
I grew up right on the Canadian border. I, I'm immune to polar bear bites and flying hockey pucks, so things are going to be fine. Well, that that's just went delightfully off track. Um, <laughs> well, now I'm worried about Canada. See, that was fine yeah. before. Now I'm scared. It. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Be very afraid. Canadian subscribers probably protesting. This is going to be great. JF's going to call tomorrow. <laughs> JF. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah. We're gonna lose. We're gonna lose. We got six people listening. We're gonna lose three of them. Is that what you're saying? Two thirds <laughs> of their population. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> working in Bobby's shop, I've always heard. I've never met Bobby, but I heard Bobby's a really cool dude, and he's very awesome. eclectic in his what he collects and what he does. Yeah, uh, he's, he's gotta be a, kind of a fun guy to hang out with. My God, he's um, it's a trip, man, because he's um, if you were to not meet him and 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 look at his house and see his car collection, uh, look at his wardrobe, that kind of thing. If you were to like just view his world without meeting him, you'd swear he was 105 years old. He's, um, <laughs> he's a really old soul. Like he, um, and he, he doesn't just do it to do it like as a poser. It's a, it's legitimately his lifestyle. You know, I, I'll never forget. He had somebody helping him out at the shop and, uh, you know, he said, Hey, can you put this on my 32? You know, he had a original paint 32 roadster or something. And, so the guy like grabs this thing, grabs some, you know, Phillips head screws or something like that and puts it on. And, and he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, go into that old bolt bin with all the flathead screws that are rusty. Take all those new, you know, Phillips head number 10s out of there or whatever and put all flatheads. So it's like, you know, every detail is really important to him. And he owns like, I think, 10 bars in LA now that are all very uh, period correct and kind of themed to, you know, a certain period in time. So it uh, it parlays into every part of his life. And, you know, not only being super autistic, he's a really humble, super nice guy. So mm. pretty awesome, dude. If you ever get a chance to meet him or, or you know, go see his collection, it's it's worth the time. Badass. Definitely a cool dude. Yeah. Definitely yeah. a cool guy. So let's see. Now, you start working on your own out of the back of uh, out of back of Old Crow. Mm -hmm. Delmos is on its way. From a self promotional standpoint, at the time, how were you getting the word out there? Or were you just mostly were you just like kind of a word of mouth thing? One person would have work done by you and send you five more guys. Yeah, it was a hundred percent word of mouth. And then um, very quickly, street trucks and early classic trucks, class something like that. Custom, there's custom classic trucks. There was yeah, custom classic trucks. I think was the one. It was Tim, our good buddy Tim. Yeah, Tim Burnsaw. Yeah, and then at the time, Jason Mulligan was with Street Trucks, I believe. So uh, those two rags, you know, did a couple shots of some of the trucks, you know, uh, Nacho and my first one. And, and then, you know, then the ball started really rolling on that and, uh, you know, printed some shirts and it was, uh, then I think it wasn't that long after then I started doing the LS motors. And, and that's when I had the bright idea to kind of make them look vintage. And then, um, you know, Tim did a good layout on that as well. And, that's when I really started to realize that I needed to, you know, get a website and really kick this thing off. So right on. And yeah, you, you kind of spearheaded what has become just kind of the norm now to make an LS motor look more vintage. And your first one's really cool with the script, you know, valve covers and everything like that. God, those are good days. Yeah. How much of a challenge was it to take an engine that really is a great engine, but it's just not attractive and to do what you did? I mean, the first one out of the box, how difficult was that? Was there just a lot of trial and error or one of those, I got an idea of what I want. I just got to keep not chipping away at this till I get it to where 
visually it's where I want it. Yeah, I knew what I wanted it to look like, which was the important part. And then um, I knew um, a, a guy that worked down the street, Kevin Deeds. Um, he makes these real bitchin' exhaust hangers, and he has a little CNC machine in his shop, uh, and he's a good programmer. So I would draw out these stupid drawings on paper, and you know, he he would kind of make sense of them and make them a reality. But at you know, at the same time, I didn't know if the engine would run as well as it should have. You know. Yeah, with, that was another question I was going to have. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I'm yeah. sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, no, exactly. It, well, well, this is a big question because, you know, you throw the throttle body on top with a, you know, a dual plane intake and, you know, obviously nothing's going to flow as good as that plastic, you know, one that it comes with, but turn, you know, turns out it does. It works great. And, uh, and it's just gotten better ever since. What do you use for uh, fuel injection? You use like some sort of a, a Holly type uh, unit, like a Terminator? No, I use just the GM stuff. So I just really? use the GM uh, computer. Like nowadays we just use an E38, which is a small computer. You know, everything is 58X. And if it's not, we change the reluctor wheel so that it is. And so you can run the small computer and all the wires are hidden and it's a speed density tune and uh, which you know most tuners prefer to tune on speed density anyway so it's it's harder to find somebody that's good at it unfortunately you know most guys are used to speeding or, or sorry tuning on mass airflow so uh, it's a little bit of mystery for some people but they eventually get it you know a lot of times we'll send our motors out with with a tune in it already that's pretty close so guys can get in there and tweak it and it's, you know, it's not too much work. So who are the majority of your customers for these particular engines? Are they the truck guys? Or are you now selling them to even car guys and, and other projects? Yeah, honestly, mostly car guys now. So, and that's kind of what I'd uh, predicted. A lot of old 567 Tri-Fi Chevy guys that have, you know, the ZZ4, you know, crate motors in there. Or or the infamous, it's got Corvette heads motor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> 500 horsepower. Those motors you know, uh, that don't make any power or super unreliable. Those, those guys are like starting to find out that they can keep the look and have all this drivability. So it's mostly honestly the Camaro and tri five guys, but it's great. Cause I, there was a big LSX or a, I think it was like, what's that 1320. It's like a media Instagram and YouTube where they do tons yeah, of right. 1320, 1320 video. video. Right. Yeah. Uh -huh. is that what it is? Yeah. 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 I th they posted, I think, a picture or something like that of um, an LS that I did that looked like a Y block. It was blue. Um, it had the Ford valve covers on it. You know, I'd kind of make the plug wires go behind the motor, kind of look like a distributor because in the Y blocks, the distributor was in the back. So, and there was like 4,500 comments. And some of the comments were just amazing. Ford guys would get in there and be like, you guys are idiots. It's a Ford. <laughs> <laughs> why, why, you know, because it's not a Ford. It doesn't have a distributor in the front. And then Ford experts would get on there and be like, it's a Y block, you idiots, because the distributor is in the back. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, you idiot. <laughs> yeah. And, which is great because it really brought to light that you could maybe even put one of these LS motors into a Ford and, and get away with it. Cause you know, in my opinion, the LS motors is a universal motor. You know, it really is. They're, I think they're built at Roush even. It's just a universal engine. And so to dress it up however you want and put it in whatever you want, I don't think is a, is taboo anymore. 
What's the biggest challenge on making one look vintage? Is there any one component that requires a lot of work to get it to look right? The time well, travel aspect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, there's more things I would, you know, I would like to do. Like obviously the fuel rails are still there on my engines um, because I like the direct injection. I don't want to move those. I don't um, mind the way they look though. I think they look okay. Because yeah, you've done you them in paint, black and it just kind of works. Yeah, or you paint them the same color as the engine, kind of make them disappear, but um, it just works so good. You know, if I could develop an intake where the injectors were underneath or something, that would be incredible, but it would just make the price of the engine so high. I'm yeah. trying to, you know, keep these things affordable. So so how many how many motors do you sell a month? Um, probably, I mean, I don't advertise them. That's another thing. Like, they're not on my website. I'll post a picture on Instagram once in a while. That's it. So I don't actively try to sell them because I'm not ready to, I don't think I'm ready to do that. Like if I were to get a bunch of orders, I'd be kind of screwed. I'd have to hire a bunch of people and stuff. So I think like right now I'm selling like five or six a month, you know, which, it, which is good. You know, there's, there's good enough margin in it. You know, it's, it's easy enough to do, you know, in the shop, it's no problem. So, but yeah, I think if I were to advertise and try to go after it, it would uh, it would change things for sure. You're using like LS3s as your basis? Yeah, I'm just ordering. Um, I get them from a local dealership real cheap. That's and, good. And we do have a, L, a LM7 too that we build, which is the the old Gen 3 5.3 motors, this, the steel blocks. And then so I have a local shop in Phoenix build those with a 58X reluctor and a mild camshaft. So, you know, when they're done and all painted up, they look identical. It's just they're a little bit more money and a little bit less horsepower. I think the last one did 385, 385 at the tire, which is pretty decent. That's not bad. Yeah. So that's, a, you know, and that's a good cheap uh, 5.3 motor with a cam, you know, that looks vintage. It, like it looks identical to the LS3. That's a good runner. I mean, yeah. <laughs> It, that. It's mind blowing how much how much power you can get out of an LS3 with just a cam change. It, it's you know guys always talk about the old motors. Yeah, the old motors are great and everything, but those LSs, man, they're incredible. Yeah, you can't even compare them, man. Like I, I'll even jump in some old car or something that has a ZZ4 in it, which those were supposed to be 430 horse, weren't they? Yeah, yeah they yeah. had the ZZ430. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. So I get in one of those and it's just a turd. Like. <laughs> I'm just, I don't know, man. And I'm an old school guy too. I love that shit. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm LS all the way now, man. You could not give me a carburetor. You, like you, if you were to give me a brand new carburetor in a box, I wouldn't take it. We gotta get you the Hemi's next. Yeah. Like Hemi. This is gonna be the next thing. I mean, although you can't come. I mean, Dell S3 just sounds right. I don't know what you're gonna do with a Hemi. Oh, I you, kinda, yeah, yeah. He's gonna, just gonna make it look like an LS3. See. <laughs> 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 get rid of these silly heads and put some proper ls heads on it <laughs> the experts will be out there in the forums going you dummy it's not a, it's not a hemi it runs so, <laughs> oh, oh, oh you my. that's a wedge motor that's not it <laughs> oh dude, dude it's Ooh. so funny to read some of those comments though oh my gosh with okay That'd be an interesting way to take this. You, you've obviously you've been part of the whole the outgrowth of social media from the days of you know online communities and forums, and seeing it now go to like total instant gratification on like Instagram and Facebook. It, mm -hmm. Is it better for you in that way, or is it just more entertaining for you to have to go in and deal with? I mean, you're naturally, you're gonna find all kinds of cool stuff at your fingertips, but at the same token, you're gonna find the trolls and kind of the guys who don't know what the hell they're talking about, who just 
want to make a post to be heard. Man, that's that's growing pains because I'm not real good at it. Like, um, I should do more on social media, but I, I'm just not good at it. Again, going back to kind of not wanting to ever talk about myself. So, you know, I've got probably 20 things in the shop right now that would blow people's minds that I know I should go take pictures of, but I just don't. Like, I don't think about it. And, and I know I should put more effort into that because, like you say, a lot of people are looking for that instant gratification, and it is such a powerful tool. It's a, You really got to work at it. Oh, yeah. And today would be great. You just need a direct-to-garment printer set up, and every post you make, just have a new T-shirt sitting, hanging out, like draped over <laughs> the wheel. <laughs> Unfortunately, people don't like – it's funny when you post a picture of your personal life, right? Like a picture of your dog or something or whatever, you get like three likes. <laughs> Oh yeah, oh yeah. But if you post that red hot rivet that you just bounced out of that frame rail, laying yeah. over in the corner, yeah, that that's thirteen hundred likes. It goes viral. <laughs> yeah, I can start creating drama in the shop now so that uh, I get more people watching, throwing shit through windows, wrecking paint jobs. And... Yeah. Here you go. Just track, like, create kind of this weird alternate dimension for yourself in the shop where you're maybe having like this total psychotic breakdown and it just becomes a battle between you and other you that's in your head. This oh, could be a great channel for you. I would love to have a clone shop that I could kind of walk back and forth and then have an alternate ego where I go into the other shop and just turn into the biggest dick and like you know, <laughs> kick people out and like yeah, drink lots of Miller Lite. <laughs> just garbage and throw. I know how to do this. Boys hands. Okay. What we need to do, we need to mask your shop off. You need to paint half of it black. Just have black walls, everything. That's like evil Dell shop. Oh yeah. This could be outstanding. Evil Dell Wednesdays on YouTube would be great. We'd do a screen screen too. So we could like change it up. <laughs> Just paint everything chroma key green. <laughs> it's like spy versus spy, but it's Dell versus Dell. Yeah. This is cool. I hope all these production companies are listening right now. We're here to help. Yep. The sucker goes live. All I want on that, I just want an executive producer credit. You got it. I want to be key grip. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know what the hell a key grip is, but I want to be that guy. I always wanted to meet a key grip. Yeah. Or a gaffer. Or a best uh, boy. Well, yep, the best boy. Yeah. yeah, some TV stuff, some TV guys hit me up a lot when I was in Burbank. I just wasn't into it, man. There was no good uh, concepts. It was all the same all the same stuff. I just was never interested in doing it. You want an original thing. Maybe where like a shop in Nebraska or something abducts you one night and forces you to work for them. See, that'd be an interesting concept. Like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but like an automotive kind of spin on it or that right wi that wife swap show where they just swap two guys one guy from nebraska goes to california and the other way around yeah one guy starts like putting lambo doors on shit and then the other <laughs> shop or something so he's like lifting all these honda civics and stuff and uh all these billies are getting lambo doors on their on their pickup <laughs> <laughs> oh no or just take you completely out of the hot rod world and throw you into something where you have to do like tractor maintenance i think if you focus you could be good at anything that's true yeah and, and okay that right there hits on one of the things i really wanted to talk to you about in this whole thing everybody always talks about passion and things like that you you obviously you're passionate i would never take that away from you 
but you've always struck me more as the effort guy where you push it a little bit further every time. Like, I mean, your builds are super clean, super detailed. You, you spend a ton of time in the minutest of little details, which is super cool to look at. You succeed very well. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, you're not trying to blow smoke up your ass. That's the last thing I want to do, <laughs> but Hey, um, you really, you exemplify that effort part of it that seemed to be dead for a long time in this thing. It seemed to be like, again, back to the instant gratification, you know, it was, you know, quickest build possible for a lot yeah. of guys yeah well thank you it's um I've, i guess i've always kind of been that way you know and at the same time a lot of that comes to where i want the customer to be happy more than anything like uh, this industry is so full of bad stories that you know you already start off in the negative almost when you start a build with somebody because they're they're almost on the defense right away and you've you've heard a million of those stories right where where the guy's how to get rescue his car out of the paint shop or whatever. So I, I never wanted that to happen. I always want it to be a good experience. And so I try to like put as much effort into it as I can based on the uh, budget and, you know, the wishes of the customer. Obviously, you know, there's some builds that I would like to take back. And, you know, in the Burbank days, we grew so fast that, you know, things happened quick and, you know, some things were missed. And, you know, you learn that, I guess, as you go. Luckily, most of my customers were all patient. Some weren't. But to you know, now now that we've really found our our niche and we've slowed things down, we can really focus on those details. And I think that's the most important thing, you know. And and also design. Obviously, you can. And Brian, you know this because you know you could put a million dollars into a car. Well, we've seen them at, at Detroit, where there's all this work and all this money, and then it's got the wrong wheels, or it's just something wrong about it, and you know, so I try to make all those things right. And I try to make something out of nothing. So I try to, I try to change the world with every build, despite the budget. I like to come up with something clever that um, makes it cool. Like I remember in the forums, and I don't know if any of you guys remember this, but I hate floor shifters. And on my 65, I was, it did, it, it was a four speed truck. So it didn't have a column shift and I put an auto in it and I couldn't, I was trying to think what I should do. I didn't want to look for an auto column. So I, those 65 trucks had the e-brake under the steering column, you know, the ones you pull. Right. Kind of. Yep. Right. So I took the e-brake cable out and I put the shifter cable there. So you had, you shifted it with the e-brake handle. It was so cool. That's that is cool. slick. I like it. <laughs> and it worked good because it had the little clickies. Um, it would stay in the gear and, you know, it was actually worked out perfectly. So it was just like those little things like that kind of are, are what make, makes the customer like super stoked. Do you know what I mean? And it really didn't cost anything. So, you know, speaking of details like that, for a guy that's as creative as you, where do you find inspiration for things like this? Are you one of those kind of guys that's always got his mind open and always looking at things and trying to repurpose? Yeah. Everything, every single thing, architecture. Um, science hinges on a, you know, on a cabinet or, you know, whatever it is. I just geek out on that shit so hard. Like uh, I'm a huge science guy. I love all that weird stuff, you know, and I think my cleanliness came from, you know, back in the day, like uh, watching Boyd stuff and chip stuff, Cadzilla and, you know, those, those kind of cars really inspired me. Troy Penny, obviously. And uh, so, you know, you mix that cleanliness with some ingenuity from whatever, inspires you and uh and try to make it work and so far i've been lucky 
you know, I think. But. And that that's what I like about your stuff, because your stuff isn't one of those, it's a million dollar thing here. It's it's very clever, very slickly done, and it's not done on a massive budget scale. It's all done very, very cleanly. And that's what I like about the way that you do things. I mean, it's a lot of it's hidden. A lot of it's, you know, you've really got to make a couple laps around the truck to really catch it all. And I like that kind of stuff. I don't like the stuff that's really in your face. I like the stuff that, you know, you don't see maybe for the second or third time around. Yeah, yeah I, that's really cool. Well, restraint is a big is a big thing. A lot of people can't overcome going too far. Sometimes less is more. And, and you know, I, it's really hard for me to go to car shows. Like, I usually don't go. But because I'll see things that uh, I'll criticize. And it's not fair. It, yeah. Like, it's not fair to the person that spent all that money and time and passion on it. And, but for me, it's like I can't wrap my head around why they would do certain things, you know? And, um, so I, you know, rather than criticize these cars and, you know, I just, I just don't go. <laughs> it sounds weird. It sounds really weird, but it's hard for me to go to a car show. Like it's cool to walk around SEMA because it's like, I actually get inspiration from SEMA. There's things that are just next level and you see those big budget cars and it's just like blows my mind. You know what Roadster Shop's doing and Ring Brothers and these guys, you know, they have all that technology at their fingertips. It's just stunning, you know, but that's not the real world for me. I just try to stay in my lane. But yeah, I'm pretty picky when it kind of comes to that stuff. Right. And yeah, you know, when you go to SEMA and you see something, like you said, you see the million plus dollar bill. The funny part about that is the way your brain works and at least my brain really works this way. I'll look at something and go, man, they invested all the time to come up with the programming to to mill that part or do this. And my head is immediately going, I could do this using these tools here and get something similar to it, or at least come up with something that looks kind of like, you know, yeah. and that, that's where my inspiration goes. I'm like, what could I do to branch off of that? And I always looked at it. That's the investment. You know, they did all the R&D on that. They spent the millions of dollars to come up with the cool part. Yeah. And, you know, then there's us going, okay, how could we filter that down to like our skill set? So where you could go out and make something really cool out of it. I'll just sit there and I'll bang, you know, a mallet off of a piece of wood and pretend it looks like it. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you're fortunate. You're, you're a designer that gets, you know, to work directly with some of these big shots. And I mean, how fun is it to stretch your brain out a little bit and watch what you come up with come to reality? I mean, that's just incredible. You know, so oh, it's fun, but it's depressing at the same time. <laughs> no, and I, I mean this like it's the weirdest thing. When you get that much freedom, this is where we dive into like philosophy if you really went that way. You know, that whole like, you know, man is born free, but everywhere he's in chains. And that's kind of where you wind up in that, where yeah. you could do anything you want and just stand there like a deer, you know, in the headlights going, uh, anything? Like, well, yeah, we just <laughs> bought this five axis mill. Go to town. You're like, Oh, yeah. Okay, so if I do this inverted tesseract in the fifth dimension, <laughs> well, well, sure. Yeah, we're just gonna need to come up with a drive for that. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. But there's a guy for that too. So, but yeah, it's gratifying. But at the end of the day, you it's not yours, right? You go home without it. You know, it's kind of the same for me. You know, I don't. I haven't had a truck since I started this whole truck thing. So, you know, it's like the carpenter or the, you know, the shoemaker never has Cobbler's good shoes. Kids, right, yeah. Cobbler's so, shoes. Well, or, or, well, I don't know. Or, well, that was weird. The cobbler's kids. Well, what's, what's that cobbler doing? But um, <laughs> I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you have a desire to build one, right? Uh, another vehicle? Or is this just one of those? It's just not in the thought right now. Well, finally this year, and I haven't posted any pictures of it. I'll sneak you off a... Uh, uh, text messages of it, but uh, I'm building a 64 Falcon for myself. Um, oh, right on! Finally, badass. 
Now, 64s, they're not the little round ones. That's when they first started putting a little bit more squareness to them, right? right. A little bit? Yeah, the sh- first year, those real sharp ones. Yeah. yeah. Those are like the Thunderbolt stuff. No, not, not before that. Where is it? The Thunderbolt? No, you're going to like Fairlanes and stuff. Like yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, they're a pretty small car still. But gotcha, gotcha. Oh, I know. Okay, I got you. Yeah, real sharp lines. And um, so I'm building it. You know, one of the memories I had with my dad was he built a, he built a 64 that was a street freak, if you can remember the those mm-hmm. cars yeah, yeah. so straight axle in the front and then uh flip the diff and shackles and blocks in the back so you know the back bumper is like four feet near this is um that build so it's um you know I, I reinforced the body and structured it up real good and it is a mile high it's really really tall it's got the tallest tire i can find and then the wheel well is like a good five inches over top of that so big long ladder bars uh, and then I actually found the 426 Hemi out of the Hawaiian funny car. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, with a magnesium blower on it and the whole deal. Guy down the road, this is an old timer, had it. So um, it's got that, it's got 426 Hemi in it with a Hampton blower and a six speed. It is ridiculous. Like it looks like a kind of a cartoon, kind of a Bernie and Crass deal, but it's really neat. That's funny, isn't it? The guy who builds these trucks, he's known for stuff that sits flat on the ground. Just flat on the ground, big diameter wheels. Yeah. yeah, I don't think anyone's gonna get it honestly, but it, it, you know, it's just for me. Yeah. Oh, I get it. Believe me, I love oh, this. Yeah, thing. yeah, it's really cool. It's re- it's really a sight to see when you see something that high. Big, uh, you know, chrome. Everything's chrome underneath, chrome roll bar, and big old blower sticking out of, this, out of the hood. So I like the fact that you called it a street freak. You called it exactly what it is because a lot of these guys will build cars like that and call them gassers. It's like it's not a gasser. You've got a street freak. Oh no, it's a gasser. Yeah, they never made Pontiac Aztec gassers, dude. Dude, it's, it's like the Prescott Prescott thing, man, or the rat rod, rod hot rod thing. You know, it's oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm already ready for it. I gotta, you know, <laughs> You're prepared. educate a lot of people. But it's cool. I, you yeah. know, I don't. A lot of people know that it was yeah. a very small group back then, but uh-huh. um, yeah, it was so cool. That was kind of uh, right in the era era when I started really, really getting into hot rods. The street freaks kind of came out and. Everybody liked that stuff. You know, it was just crazy. Everybody was kind of trying to outdo each other. And it did get a little bit over the top, but uh, there were still some really, really bitching ones out there. Yeah. Yeah. Like anything, they kind of turned into art sure. cars after a while. But this one's not really practical either. I mean, it's it's not going to turn good or go straight very well, or it's not really going to do anything good, but make a bunch of noise. So yeah. scare children, you know? Yeah. A little scared, yeah. buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Well, to me, it's funny when you look at it. Most builders, you look at the style they get known for, and the cars they would build are nothing like that because it, it's that weird compartmentalization. You have that job. Like, I I mean, you know, if you know a guy who owns a pizzeria, he doesn't eat pizza every day. Right. Probably yeah. never eats pizza. Yeah. You know, and if, like, for me, even, like, I got known for designing pro touring cars. Yep. I wouldn't build one. I, it's just, it's not my bag. You know, it's, it's kind of funny like that. So here you are, you know, man, Dell with his super low trucks and this and that. And here comes Dell. Now, are you going to, are you going to turn this into a complete lifestyle for yourself? Are you, dude, you should Bobby this whole thing for yourself and like totally go for, get some solar flares, like a couple, you know, this? butterfly collars, everything. Just live oh. that 70s street lifestyle. Dude. Mustache maybe? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Greek medallion. 
fake chest hair. What eight track would I have in it? Uh, Ario yeah. Speedwagon. Mm, no, no, it's not. It's not. That's not hard enough. You need something. I'd, I'd almost say you have to go Motorhead. To me, that Street Freak work. always kind of equal Motorhead. You know, I don't know yeah, why. Motorhead kind of came along a little bit later, though. I gotta think Street Freak. Just, that's like seventy-eight, seventy-nine. That's would very Manilow, be... man. <laughs> Manilow. Would there be ACDC? And, oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. ACDC was... Na- yeah. Nazareth? I don't know if you knew this. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Nazareth? Nazareth. What if we want, like, Nazareth. early punk stuff, too? Like... Oh, yeah, DOA or uh, Dead Kennedys or something? Yeah, yeah. I mean, kind of that route. Did they have eight tracks, those guys? Sure. I don't. I think that's all they had. Well, we'll put it on eight tracks. The guys had cassettes, but, you know, the four guys had the... Yeah. We'll put it on eight track. I mean... They yeah. said that uh, yeah. I do yeah. have a brand new in the box eight track that's going to go in it. So <laughs> badass. You need to get there. Well, if you're talking Nazareth, hair of the dog is the name. Yes, of dude, that's what you need to have loaded in that player. <laughs> I'm so oh, glad to do that. Oh man, we got to find you one of those. Do you know? Do you know Eric out here? Eric. Uh, oh God, Eric Anderson. Eric Anderson. I, you know, I've probably met him. I'm just big van guy out here. He'd be the dude. I got to get you guys in touch because there'd be your eight track hookup. Oh, wouldn't that be incredible to find a big stack of old eight tracks? I will put you in touch. You guys, you guys would get along well. Okay. Okay. So we got that figured out. Uh, next, we're going to take uh, your house that you're living in. We're going to have to mow that down and start from <laughs> scratch. Um, yep. <laughs> How awesome would this be? Oh, that that's maybe it's a new calling for us. We'll be like the round six hot rod lifestyle coaches. <laughs> yeah, what's that like um where they where they come into a bar and you know get Yeah, it, oh, oh it, yeah, a bar rescue. Yeah, yeah. You could yeah. do that. We'd be the uh, we'd be the antithesis of rescue though for a lot of yeah. people. Yeah. Lifestyle rescue. Yeah. A lot of guys going, well, the divorce was fun. Um Yeah. Well, the life coaches told me to get rid of her. <laughs> <laughs> told me to take acid and wear this (laughs) every show starts off yeah it's like a dropping a tab of acid like let's do this eating the mushroom off the top of the cow poop (laughs) (laughs) Uh, this one just earned that e rating nice job dude so i don't know how old you guys are but you know the truck the truck scene kind of thing is starting to get younger and younger too i'm afraid that like at some point i'm gonna run out of talent and you know kind of have to move on to the next thing so you know trend no matter how hard you try i think trends you know sway a different direction and you know the whole scene goes a different way so i'm definitely not a follower so you know at some point probably have to grow up i don't know i don't know that was that was one of the things we talked about off air, and I think that kind of warrants being brought up here too. We were talking about how right now there's not really any new trends. Everything right now is kind of developed from, and it's refining the current trend that's out there. And we haven't seen anything new. I mean, we're seeing, okay, maybe you could consider the retro kind of look a trend where people are grabbing like the big window Halibrand wheels and stuffing those under everything. That's kind of a trend but it's not it's not new and yeah man i mean you kind of hit the nail on the head where do we go from here yeah it's well you know in the truck world it's almost happening too fast people are it went to square bodies real quick now people are starting to look at the obs trucks already you know which is the 88 to whatever and it's too soon in my opinion like it's way too soon uh everyone in the world's running solid wheels with hubcaps and uh it's just so i've kind of backed away from it a little bit i just try to do my thing and 
you know, getting creative with these engines. And, you know, I, I, to, I, to let you in on a little secret, do you know Eric Black? Yeah. Yeah. So, so Eric and I are kind of working on a, uh, on a four wheel drive deal. So, um, maybe switching gears from two wheel drive and a four wheel drive. See, I think that would be cool. And there's a, there's a lot to explore there. And the scary part too, is that that's an easy thing to fall into that trap of just retro trends. Everything suddenly looks like, you know, 1979 again, that's. Yeah. You got to be careful, you know, and you got to choose your demographic. I think what I'm in now, uh, kind of caps out at a certain dollar amount. You know, there I'm dealing with guys that are you know between 30 and 50 that are pretty successful and have a few bucks to spend. But you know, we'll be honest and say that a about a buck 20 is really what anyone really wants to spend on a pickup truck. So to to go to push that threshold, I think I have to explore different avenues. Yeah, definitely. I mean, because like like anything, I mean, there's going to be one or two of those trucks that'll be kind of that weird upper echelon again that riddler status type truck yeah but then you know that's not average by any stretch it, it's kind of weird you brought up another point though if you're business if you're in business you've really got to find that demographic that fits where you want to be building for like, yeah. everybody would love to have the guy who comes in and says you know i've got one and a half million dollars let's build yeah i would talk him out of it honestly yeah, me too. That's that's the thing. It's so weird. It's again, it's that you have total freedom, but you immediately go for restraint. Yeah, let's let's build you three super cool vehicles instead. Like let you know, let's build something you can go thrash or take to a, you know, we'll build you a show car that you could blow people's minds with. That's what I really love more than anything is is putting something beside another that is worth 10 times the amount and nobody looks at it. Some, you know, they always look at what I've created over something that someone's just poured a bunch of money into. It's like the most satisfying thing I can think of when it comes to what I do. It's like uh, you know, straight victory. If, if you can kind of <laughs> win people over that way, just with pure uh, imagination and you know, some hard work and detail over massive budgets and machinery. Well, I think that's kind of what Hot Rod's based on. I think it's, you know, building something that's that's not hugely expensive. You know, you required a lot of creativity. Some Saturdays in a wrecking yard, whatever. Yeah, and creativity think, and personality. Right. right I there. think we've kind of lost that a little bit because now everybody, they kind of, well, we've said this in the past, everybody kind of reads out of the same recipe book. And it's yeah. like, you know, yeah, and have something different. For sure. And having said that, uh, my hat is off to to all the people that are building those big dollar ones because the, you know, the ingenuity and the design yeah. and the is, is beyond like my, it's jaw dropping, but yeah. um, that's just not, that's just not me. So yeah. um, I like maybe to be the underdog and uh, I'm a little bit more grassroots when it comes to this stuff and um, just at, you know, coming at it at a different angle. So. And, and you kind of, you hit that really well. We need those, those huge cars, those marquee cars, because those are like those are the Babe Ruth and everything for our, yeah. you know, for our thing. It's yeah. that's the car that can come up and knock the ball clean out of the park into the next, you know, into the next time zone. Mm -hmm. You need that because it's something to reach for. That's sort somebody of, just really sort, pushing creativity. Mm -hmm. Sort of for sure, because that car goes into a trailer and then it goes into a warehouse, and then it goes back into the trailer. So it's you're right. I strive for some of that but at the same time i don't want anything to do with a lot oh no and that's exactly the point i mean they serve a purpose 
Yeah. It has its thing. Yeah. And that's, but, and the funny part is you learn later on when they go to auction, you learn what the perceived value is, which is really <laughs> yeah. full of suck, mm. but that's a heartbreak. Know, yeah. And that's the thing. That's, that's the blockbuster movie for us. It's you watch you go, Oh, that's so awesome that they did all this. But in reality, I think we'd all rather be home filming that weird stop motion epic, you know, of, you know, <laughs> yeah, with, with action figures on a desk because it's, it's more fun and it's you can put some real soul into it. Yeah, and sometimes those big dollar builds will have some features on them where it's like you know the average guy looks at it and goes, I think I can do that. You know, I may not be ha have a five axis mill like we talked about, but I think I could build a part that looks kind of similar to that for mine. And you know, sometimes those big dollar builds can give you some ideas to work from. Uh, definitely on a much smaller scale, but it. Yep. Uh, Yep. It's, it's like a piece of fine art. You know, I'm never going to buy that piece of fine art. I can look at it and go, hey, it's cool, but I'm going to probably buy the print at Hobby Lobby. <laughs> well, right. And, and again, though, but that's kind of the, the root of our whole hot rotting thing, isn't it? I mean, think about when yeah. the guys first came back from the war, they started applying things that they had seen on aircraft and, you know, artillery and things like that stuff that could make it work. So there was that inspiration. And are any of these guys ever going to have a, you know, a bomber or a tank? No, right. but they could right. build a really cool car mm -hmm. yeah. and utilize parts from that. I think we're kind of at that point now where there's a handful of super talented, visionary, and obviously very well-funded builders who do that thing. But to talk to these guys, for the most part, their cars, their dream cars are really kind of lower budget, far more grounded vehicles. And and I think you know we all kind of go back to that. So, God, it's it's a weird it's a weird time we live in, man. I well, it'll be interesting to see how it goes at SEMA this year. Yeah, I mean, pretty soon everyone's gonna have a 3D printer or a, some kind of eight-axis CNC machine in the garage. Like it, it won't be long till it's gonna be so easy to to come up with this kind of stuff. That I don't know. It could get so weird. It could get so crazy that you know we're gonna start seeing stuff that doesn't even make sense. From a hot rod aspect, it's gonna just take on a you know mind of its own. But man, I, nothing presses me more than you know catching an Instagram that somebody's you know machine some rad you know manifold or something that's just like pure science fiction. You know, it's just so cool to see. I wonder too. Like you mentioned, okay, if we get to a point wherever you know the prices keep coming down, so everybody's got a 3D printer or like some kind of a small mill. I wonder if it's going to be like it was when welders came down in price. And all of a sudden, everybody was a fabricator. So <laughs> you had that weird separation. Then you had all the yeah. guys who were starting to build these pre-runners and stuff in their garage. Yeah. But they were such garbage. Yeah. Is Check out like... my welding, bro. It's like, oh, no. <laughs> right? yeah. is there, oh, no. Is there a point where, or is it like a whole subset out there that maybe, maybe I have to go look harder on Instagram and see if there's like a whole group of guys who just really suck at 3D printing? Oh. Or really? <laughs> they can't even make a round part. It's like oval. That would be like, me. Dude, I made this door handle, and you're like, it looks like a hood ornament. Yeah, it's coming. It's coming, guys. Yeah. So, dude. Uh, well, there we are. We we went from the past all the way to the future. Yeah. And yeah, probably this beyond. This is kind of a Tarantino-style podcast, isn't it? Look yeah. how this went. And now, now comes the part here where, where Alex just turns on all of us and uh, right. leaves we all, us for dead in a warehouse. Yeah, yeah we all get <laughs> killed now by Alex. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Brad's going to look good in the gimp suit, though. So. That's right. Yeah. Uh, 
Yay. I love it's it. been a few episodes, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's my turn. Your turn in the box. The salto masochist. My yeah, turn your turn in the box. crate. I mean, the box. I mean, yeah. Well, thank you for joining us, man. I, After talking about this for way too long, it, it lived up to all my expectations and good night. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I hope I wasn't too boring. And, uh, no, it was you fun. Know, no, we, you were great. It was great. We could do part two and talk about um, uh, Trudeau and, you know, Trump and all the other things that oh, go along, you know, Canada. But we'll save that for another time. We'll save that for our uh, our political podcast. Yes. We're going to start that soon. It needs oh. a name. So uh, feel free in the comments. I'll think Leave about it. Your name. Yeah, or if you come up with one, we'll, uh, we'll split the uh, – I'm sure what will be tens of dollars in ad revenue from that one. Yeah, you guys are big time, man. Podcasters, you you're like Joe Rogan and you guys, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. let's just say it's it's grown, I and mean, we're very happy for that. I mean, we would be nowhere without the people who listen to us and keep pushing us to do this, either because they they enjoy watching the, the shit show that it turns into or <laughs> they're really behind us to see us grow but we've got we're, to... we're going through those stages we're kind of in that we're a fungus stage that's where we are right now yeah just starting to itch <laughs> i was just hoping for herpes where we just never really go away yeah <laughs> oh they're back every 30 <laughs> days we got a new podcast <laughs> We're like uh, a I'm social media to shanker. This is gonna be. <laughs> oh, that's funny. No, I'm stoked to be on, guys, and I'm really happy for your success. And uh, it's been real super fun. Yeah, thank I'm you. Glad man. to have you on. Man. Good talking to you, sir. You always, well. Always yes. good to hear your voice, man. Thank I'll let you, you sir, very much. Yes, thanks, Dell. No I'll problem. let you get back to your Prescott or I'm sorry, Prescott evening. Yeah, yeah, playing some checkers with the old lady. Nice. Awesome. Well, yeah. say hi, please. Tell her I, will. I will, and I'll send you some sneak peeks of the uh, Street Freak. Outstanding. I will put up pictures that have nothing to do with it. Okay. To totally, like, veer people away. This is Del's latest Street Freak project, and it's a guy in a zipper mask. <laughs> oh, wrong picture leaning against the oh dude we could have that leaning up against like an electric car this is going to be fantastic yeah, yeah. Get creative i know you can do it awesome man well thank you sir thanks for joining and hey before we go uh where can people find you online sir so you can go to www.delmospeed.com and uh everything is on the website except for my motors and my wheels. <laughs> I know that's sad, but uh, um, if you want any of that stuff, just shoot me an email to DelmoSpeed at Gmail or DM me on Instagram at DelmoSpeed and uh, I'll get you taken care of. I uh, I just haven't uh, went mainstream with those, but certainly we'll build you one if you want one. Awesome. And I hope people go there and uh, buy lots of merch. Yeah, that'd be cool. Cool shirts and hats and keychains and all that fun stuff. There you go. Cool, dude. Well, hey, Thanks thank again. you. All right. Thanks for being part of it. And hey, thank uh, thank all of you for listening. And uh, and thanks again to our, our sponsor for the show, Trailer Tug. You can visit them at trailertug.com. Uh, listeners of the Round 6 podcast get 10% off their order when they call in or order online. 
and use the code round six. So, uh, yeah, that said, uh, thanks for joining us here on episode 57, and we will talk to you guys later. See ya. See you, Ace. Thanks again for listening, and be sure to keep up with us gearheads over on our website at www.round6pod.com. And if you'd like to, we invite you to follow along with us over on Facebook, Instagram, and be sure to check out all of our latest videos on youtube.com. Big thanks once again to our sponsor, Trailer Tug. Please visit them at trailertug.com and learn more about the world's strongest trailer dolly. Our listeners receive 10% off their order when they use the discount code ROUND6 at checkout or when calling their order in 